We have a number of announcements this weekend. Reminder that tomorrow is the annual day of penance for abortion and prayer for the legal protection of unborn children. Uh, the Catholic bishops of our country ask us to pray and to do penance, to do things like fasting on that day tomorrow, as we need to be ever vigilant against attempts to enshrine abortion in state constitutions, which is the movement uh, presently in our country, though not yet in Oklahoma, thanks be to God. Uh, plan now to observe fasting, penance, and special prayer tomorrow. The St. Augustine Men's Group is open to all men of the parish, and it will begin its spring semester this Friday, January 26th. Everyone is invited, the men of the parish, to come and join on Fridays for breakfast at 5.30 a.m., followed by a presentation and small group discussion on topics that are relevant to being Catholic men. For more information and to sign up, see representatives in the narthex after Mass or contact the parish office this week. Uh, that first meeting of the new semester is this Friday. Our Knights of Columbus will host a chili cook-off competition and bingo night in the parish hall next Saturday evening, January 27th, after the evening Mass. You can see the bulletin for information on entering your chili recipe. Everyone is invited to come enjoy some chili and to play bingo. If you can sing in a group, we ask you to help support our choir and its service to the sacred liturgy. Uh, to help more parishioners learn about the choir and to experience the possibility of that service, the choir will have an open rehearsal on Thursday, February 1st here in the church. Next month on February 7th at the state capitol will be the annual Rose Day event to bring attention to the pro-life effort. You can plan to join others in the event and to advance the cause of the dignity of life among our legislators. And finally, I have some exciting news to share. You will recall that this past September, the Archdiocese generously, generously funded the cost of a survey about possible future school placements in our Archdiocese. At that time, I asked you to respond to the survey from the Meitler Company, no matter who you are and whether or not you have school-aged children. I also asked you to share the survey even with non-parishioners and non-Catholics, anyone really that could help us get good data on attitudes in our local area regarding Catholic education, and you all responded to that request generously. I've reviewed the survey results with the Archdiocese, and I was very proud to learn that our parish had the highest response rate of any other parish in the Archdiocese. And furthermore, our parish emerged as the number one location of interest for studying the possibility of a new school. Now, to be clear, what that means is that the survey results show interest in examining what a new school might offer and that interest is both from within our parish, but also from outside the parish in the surrounding area within about a 20-minute drive from the parish. Last week, I met with the archbishop and some of his senior staff to review the survey results and to consider the next steps. And I'm excited to report to you uh, that the archbishop has agreed and given me the green light to take the next steps in considering the possibility of a new school. Uh, soon we will form focus groups so that we can dive more deeply into the survey results and the questions surrounding a new school, whether we start one, and what kind of school it may be. I'm definitely going to let the survey company Meitler lead me in how to engage in appropriate steps. But for now, I wanna share this exciting news with you. We will be looking for a whole range of input about this school study and the focus groups. And therefore, when focus groups are formed, should you be invited to participate in one, I ask you uh, to be supportive and to agree to participate so that we can be enriched by a whole host of input that will give us the clarity we need to determine what to do in the future. 
Uh, if we move forward with opening a school, I envision that it would open at the earliest in the fall of 2025. It would be opened most likely in phases, starting with younger grades and adding as we go. Uh, I want you to know that I am very excited about this development and I am committed to giving my energies to see the next steps executed properly. And by the conclusion of the focus group process, we will have good information in order to determine what the future of a school at St. Monica might look like. I certainly ask for your prayers that the Holy Spirit may guide this endeavor and that the intercession of St. Monica, our patroness, will aid this work. In the selection from St. John's Gospel last Sunday, we heard about two of John the Baptist's disciples, Andrew and an unnamed disciple, and later Simon Peter, who encounter Jesus and begin following him. You might wonder whether today's Gospel selection is the same scene, just St. Mark's version, and if so, you might wonder, why would we hear again about the calling of some of those same disciples? Is it the same calling or not? And how might we understand the immediate and sudden way in which the selection today tells us those disciples dropped everything to follow the Lord? Last week's account and this Sunday's account are actually two different chronological events. And we know this because last week, John the Baptist himself was in the passage pointing his own disciples to the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God, he said to his two disciples. Today we hear of a different moment from St. Mark, for he places it in a different chronological moment. He writes that the calling we hear about today took place after John had been arrested. We know that John the Baptist himself was a rather serious and dedicated man of God, living in the desert, preaching, leading a disciplined and penitential life, and calling God's people to repent. If these same disciples we hear about today were first John's own disciples, it is reasonable to conclude that they too were rather dedicated, well-formed, and righteous men of God. Now, while the scriptures do not give us all the details, we might conclude that after John the Baptist's ministry ended due to his arrest and eventual death, perhaps those disciples returned to their former homes and way of life and work. And this would then perhaps put them in Galilee, where they are fishermen in the episode we hear today and where Jesus now comes to call them himself. So if you get the idea from today's passage that Jesus simply shows up unknown and says, follow me, and they drop everything to do so, you need not think that. It is clear these disciples had encountered the Lord before. They had spoken to him, and they had stayed with him some, as John's selection last week told us. Jesus' message that the time of fulfillment and the kingdom of God is at hand resonates with these serious disciples of John the Baptist. His claim to make them fishers of men resonates too. And all of this might help us understand their readiness to immediately follow the Lord. The term fishers of men has a ring to it of a prophecy from Jeremiah chapter 16. In that text, the prophet speaks of a time when people will no longer speak of how God brought his people out of Egypt in the Exodus, 
but rather how he brought them back from exile, sort of a new exodus, to the promised land. Jeremiah says that God will send many fishers to gather his people and to bring them back. And this prophecy can serve to signal that some new activity of God, some new movement of his people, would eventually be celebrated, something like a new exodus. It can serve to signal this type of new exodus, this new gathering of God's people. When you consider that John the Baptist himself was preparing the way for something new and pointing to Jesus, and that John was conducting his ministry most powerfully at the Jordan River where the first exodus ended, we might then understand the immediate attraction and response of John's own disciples when Jesus shows up, says the kingdom is at hand, and calls them to be fishers of men. They had been expecting something new, a new exodus. And in Jesus, they see it happening and they want to respond immediately. Do you ever compare yourself, I wonder, to today's gospel selection and that seemingly immediate response of the disciples and wonder whether you would be willing to follow the Lord so definitively, so conclusively? I suggest we need to note that these disciples encountered Jesus initially And then sometime later, there was progression and maturation such that they were ready to follow him and commit to him. In other words, notice that our life as disciples too is not about just a one-time encounter. Our life too is supposed to progress and to mature. The first encounter matters, certainly, but so does the next encounter and the next. All the moments of progression and life with the Lord. What this can tell us is that any tendency to view life as a disciple is about just one moment is dismissing the importance of progression and may be a flawed approach. To put this in a Catholic context, if we were to think that my life with the Lord is just about my baptism or just about other isolated moments where I come to get a sacrament, as critically important as those are, and not about progression and maturation in gospel living, well, then we are mistaken. If we were to think that I turn on Jesus time, so to speak, by coming to Mass once a week and that kind of does it, well, we're missing all the things that should be happening daily to mark our maturation as disciples. The story of our life as disciples is not the mistaken view of today's passage that Jesus showed up unannounced and unknown, said, follow me, and they dropped everything and did so. Rather, there was first desire on their part to be godly. There was initial conversion with John the Baptist. There was relationship with other disciples by which they were pointed to Jesus and had an initial encounter with him. There was maturation and progression in faith, such that they responded so conclusively in the passage we hear today. And, as we know, there's a whole lot more to the story because those same disciples had to learn from the Master And there were many more mistakes and repentance that would mark the journey that leads us to now view those apostles as such revered saints. If you evaluate yourself against the response of the disciples in today's passage, thinking their response to be this kind of of out-of-nowhere response, and think your response may be lacking, 
then perhaps we can look back to last Sunday's passage from John for a few pointers for the context of today's passage. Do you want to respond to the Lord more fully? Then let's take some cues from what happened in the initial encounter with the Lord that we heard about last Sunday. Like John's disciples heard, at every Mass, we have pointed out to us the presence of Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. After hearing that, are you willing to imagine the Lord asking you, like last week's gospel, what are you looking for? Are you willing to dwell on that? to dwell on that question and respond to the Lord? What are you looking for in life? What is important to you? What are your goals? What do your daily activities reveal are your true priorities? And do those match up with your stated priorities? Are your priorities the Lord and being his disciple? Where do you feel lacking or empty or not satisfied in life? Do the things you seek after provide lasting peace? Ask that question before the Lord. What are you looking for? Let that question resonate in your heart and mind to give him an answer. The next pointer. What was the follow-up question from the disciples last week? Rabbi, where are you staying? Our encounter with the Lord is not just one time. And so, are you willing to stay with the Lord to come and see him, to extend your time with him? We worship the Lord here at Mass, certainly, and this provides us some crucial moments to stay with the Lord. We worship, we worship him present when the Holy Eucharist is elevated at the altar for those few moments, where the reception of the sacrament is the fullest participation in the Holy Mass. But what about more than that? The disciples from last week's passage went and stayed that day with the Lord. What are you willing to do to extend your time with the Lord? What are you willing to do to take time to reveal yourself and your life to the Lord? What are you willing to do to take time to encounter him and to get to know him, not just at Mass, but in your daily living, at home, and among other disciples? Going to stay with the Lord can happen quite literally in our Adoration Chapel, where we are in the presence of the Lamb of God, his presence in sacramental form. And what a place to pray, right? What a place to ask yourself, what am I looking for? Going to stay with the Lord can and should happen too in our homes, at work and school, in the car, when we travel, in our thoughts, in our efforts at personal prayer time. Going to stay with the Lord happens too in fellowship with other believers. We are not islands unto ourselves. There we come to vocalize our faith, to share it, to be inspired by the faith of others, and to have help in being accountable with other followers of the Lord. All of this helps aid progression and maturation in the faith. 
It follows the pattern we saw from last Sunday's gospel to this Sunday's. I suggest that the fruit of reviewing those questions from last Sunday's passage helps set the stage for the unfolding of this Sunday's passage in our own lives. Our encounter with the Lord is nourished and matures such that the stage can be set for what we see in today's passage. We are prepared for deeper life with the Lord, such that when he calls us to follow him in various ways into the new exodus, we are prepared to conclusively commit ourselves to follow him and to leave behind the nets, the the things that tangle us, and so often get placed ahead of life with the Lord. The Lord's call, you see, is ever new for us too. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 